Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Your source for coyote hunting, fishing, and more. We're calling West Texas, and we're filming, and we called 36 coyotes in one night. Two years ago, three years ago, I had in one morning six bucks that were three and a half and older within 50 yards of my stand. Six different bucks one morning. It was in October. Went made my first coyote stand, me and my cousin. And uh, very first freaking stand, guys, we called up seven coyotes. <laughs> seven coyotes. Florida itself is a fisherman's paradise. We stick out in the middle of the water, man. There's water everywhere. Let's kick it in the overdrive. This podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Locally owned and operated out of Attica, Michigan, Predator Hunter Outdoors will keep you hunting when the sun goes down. Predator Hunter Outdoors has something for every budget and experience level, including lights, night vision, and thermal, as well as a full line of tripods, mounts, and predator calls. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Predator Hunter Outdoors, or visit their webpage at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com. Enter the promo code LIGHT for 20% off light products, and TRIPOD for 10% off tripods and mounts. With today's technology, hunters in the field have more tools than ever to maximize their outdoor experiences. One of those tools is a Grand Rapids, Michigan-based HuntWise app. The HuntWise Pro app is loaded with features including property lines, landowner data, windcast, huntcast, over 250 map layers including 3D maps, a localized rut indicator, as well as discounts of 20% off various name brand products. Step up to the Elite membership and you will get all of that plus HuntCast 2.0 with customizable alerts, Whitetail 365 which gives you season dates and local rut times as well as the best time to plant your food plots, a 15 day hunt forecast and 40-50% to 50% discount on name brand products. Enter code OVERDRIVE for 20% off your membership to HuntWise. Welcome back everybody to the OVERDRIVE Outdoors podcast. This week we've got a pretty full house. We have me and my son Owen. We have Kevin Raw as a co-host, and then we are joined by Mr. Joe Griffin and his son Chase. How's everybody doing tonight, guys? Good. Doing good. Thanks doing for well. having me, dude. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time. Chase, how old are you? Um, seven years old. Seven years old. You've been hunting since you were born, pretty much, with your dad. <laughs> uh, I've been hunting since I was like three or four. Yeah. Your dad take you on some cool trips? Yeah, really cool trips. Joe, I kind of want to start with that a little bit because I've heard your story, but I don't know if a bunch of people that follow us have heard your story. You did not come up in a hunting family, correct? Uh Uh-uh. So um, my mom was pretty anti-hunting, member of PETA and everything. And then my dad was not like anti-hunting, but just didn't have a background in it. Um, so when I was in third grade, so a little bit older than Chase, I kind of got the bug for it. Um, we had field and stream magazines in this library at the school that I went to. And I saw something about, I think it was elk hunting or something like that. And it just kind of drove my interest. And then had a good friend, Chad Alberg, whose family was really big into hunting. And they kind of, long story short, introduced me to it and then had a few other guys along the way that really like got me into the field and 
took me and my dad out and then finally my mom kind of came came around to it and she shot her first year last year so very cool uh, chase was there for that too and yeah it's it, hunting's been my everything for i mean 20 years now so how old are you i'm 30 i'll be 31 in november so okay he's not too far behind me no <laughs> we're starting to feel our age now yeah <laughs> joe how how did that conversation go when you decided that you wanted to be a hunter and your mom was a member of PETA? So it, we actually had a, a project in our class where we had to write a persuasive letter and it kind of timed out perfectly that I wanted to convince them that I should hunt. And it was like, uh, um, she still ate meat like store-bought meat and stuff like that so it's pretty easy even for a third grader to kind of debunk the the issue of hunting when someone's eating meat anyway and um driving on roads that destroy habitat and living in a house that used to be habitat and it's like even if you're vegan like there's still blood on your hands when it comes to habitat loss and um death of animals they just don't like to admit it because they just kill with their checkbook so yeah. in a condensed version I basically said just that and it still took years of kind of over time her getting accepting of hunting and it was even before she started hunting herself that she really like gravitated to it and kind of um, saw the passion and saw the the benefit of it conservation wise and then she kind of found a community of other parents of hunters um, when I got into the waterfall thing a lot I was doing like contest calling and guiding and stuff like that so she kind of found um, a different community of really awesome people in hunting too. And that kind of brought her full circle and now she's completely supportive of it. So that, that's a crazy transition. Yeah. That's, pretty wild. It's really cool though. I mean, it's, it's nice to see that someone is able to do that and willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, it takes time and it takes effort. And I think as hunters, we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot for a lot of years where we, we look at folks that are either anti-hunting or, um just just not willing to kind of hear our side and we immediately throw the the cold shoulder at them and just be like oh well whatever i don't care what you guys think anyway and there's there's a time and a place for that too like if there's if someone's gonna call me a murderer or something crazy like that for being a hunter i'm not gonna entertain that for too long but if if you find someone that's a little bit more open-minded to at least have a conversation about it we can do a better job as hunters of portraying ourselves well and making that transition do you think your mom would have been able to transition over and kind of just flip-flop sides if it wasn't for you her son taking an interest in it i don't know if she could have or if she would have um i don't think that it ever would have taken place had i not shown this passion for it and even more so now like watching chase grow up with it um she she came to it a lot sooner than Chase being born even. Like once I was in high school, she was pretty pretty on board with it. But then even seeing Chase's love and passion for it, like he might be more eaten up with it than I was at that age. And for her to see that, she's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm ready to try it now. So, and we hunted pretty hard last December with her and finally got an opportunity and she shot a nice doe, so. Yeah, that was close range doe, wasn't it? yeah about as close as uh the the 450 scope was zoomed all the way out if that tells you anything so <laughs> real real close so did, did she have any regrets that you know of for that 
No, she, the only thing that she still kind of um, has qualms with a little bit is when she's eating it. Um, she said there's a few times where it kind of like weirds her out a little bit. And that's, that's happened before. At least this isn't her first time eating game. She's eating stuff that I've killed elk, deer, caribou, whatever. But she's um, like once in a while, she's like, I love it. It tastes great. I understand that it's more healthy, but there's still like some sort of a mental block there. She still eats it, but it's not like um, perfectly easy for her yet, I guess is the best way to put it. So. But as far as like shooting it, as soon as she shot it, I looked at her because it was, it couldn't have been closer. Like I could see into that thing's eyeballs and I'm like, how does, how did that feel? Everything good. And she's like, no, it felt great. And I'm, I'm good. I love it. So, yeah. That's probably the, like the first time I've ever heard of somebody flip-flopping like that, going from one side, completely going to the other. Yeah. It yeah. kind of makes no sense. <laughs> I mean, that's good though. That's good to see because what we see most of the time is like you pointed out, if you're just going to come at me and call me a murderer, that's what we see the most often. Kevin, say the same. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think a lot of it though is strictly social media related. I mean, when it comes to an actual in-person um, conversation or whatever, I think people are more amicable to it. Yeah. It may not change your mind, but I think you'll have a better conversation when you're dealing face-to-face with someone as opposed to through social media. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone's a big cowboy behind the keyboard, but it's a lot. And I think that's no matter what the topic is, if you can actually like sit down and have a human conversation with somebody, you're going to get worlds further ahead than you are just like projecting an opinion back and forth. Yeah, it, if I owe everything that I have from hunting to guys that um, saw potential in me with it and took time out of their seasons to make sure that I had that opportunity, like Ross Graveling, Jeff Tanner, Brian Walker. There's a list of guys that made me a priority in their season. And that's something that can't happen over line or online. Um, It's kind of the same token to converting an anti-hunter is if you want to have someone get into hunting or if you want the sport to continue you need to take it upon yourself to actually go do that mike's fine there buddy (laughs) so chase the youth hunt was last weekend uh yes it was thanks well two weekends weekend before last weekend i think how did you do so uh was it like a week week before the youth hunt two weeks two weeks before i think two weeks before the youth hunt we spotted a velvet uh like we thought it was like an eight point i and then we were just trying to target that to kill and then we like two weeks later we went up there I mean, like a week later, we went up to bear hunt, uh, shot at a bear, didn't find him, still alive, still come back, coming back to the bay. Uh, hit him a little high through the back straps. Yeah, just hit him okay. a tad high. Mm-hmm. That was up yeah. way up in Houghton. So yeah, our, our deer camp is in Escanaba or just a little west of Escanaba. Yeah. So we went up a couple of days before the youth hunt and, um, he got a bear tag on that turn back um, program that the state has. So if he applies for a bear license and doesn't get one, 
you can apply then for a second list. And if someone does draw it and doesn't want to go or can't go, they turn the tag back in and there was like 1100 kids in that pool. And he was one of three that drew that tag. So that's awesome. Yeah. So we went up a couple of days early bear hunting first and that was his first time bear hunting. Yeah. And, and it was my first time being in a tree stand. That too. How'd you like and it? Then, it was really actually really fun. And then we went back down two hours down back to es- Escanaba outer cabin. Um, we set up a, like a little tower blind. We built a tower platform out of wood, just okay. four by fours and a two by eight floor. Just to and get then you just, off the ground? Yeah, just so we could see a little further. This field's got a lot of dips and bowls in it. And um, we just put a pop-up line up on top of this platform. So now in the UP, you are allowed to bait for deer, right? Yes and um, no. So it depends on where you are. Um, we're actually in some of our property is in, um, the, the section that you can bait and we're like right on the line. So literally some of our property you can, and some of you can't. Okay. Uh, So there's a little lane called, oh, what's called the one in the woods. There's lots of lanes in the woods, buddy. (laughs) There's a a lane in the wood woods that. Um, a guy named Jeff Tanner, I think, mm-hmm. cut, yeah. chopped trees down. Um, he has a kid named Ethan, and he's one of my friends. Okay. When we were up there, he shot a like a four point velvet. Velvet six point. He had little brows. Velvet six point. Mm-hmm. Oh, velvet six point then. Very nice. And we found a bunch of blood. Found some guts on the trees um we just couldn't find him so he tried to do it again and did he get it he ended up turning oh, yeah. that buck later he, that night and shot it yeah he got um a what? same velvet six same velvet six nice during the youth hunt mm-hmm. oh yeah and then that night they spooked a bunch of bucks over and then there was one buck in front of us that was like a five or a six point. Shot at that one, missed him. We turned around, saw that really big velvet nine point. Got on that one, shot him, hit probably hit him the first time, shot him one more time, just to be sure. Ran off into the woods, looked for blood, but it was raining. It was a downpour at the end of the night there. Yeah, it was oh, really pouring. Yeah. And then in the morning, we called in a dog, um, and then we found it. He ran across the ditch into another field, like right on the edge of the field, where the brushes. He was laying right there, dead. Nice. So he had uh, like um, it was a two hundred and seventy-six yard shot, and then he just piled it hit it good nice but he's shooting a, a 243 yep and so it's you're not going to get a ton of like, blood typically it's like small that bowl. small of a bullet yeah that's my baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good for caddies oh yeah so, your dad shot a couple with mine too that's right yeah, that's, a good, gun. that's a good yodi gun <laughs> but he um as soon as he shot it i could tell he hit it good but there was just 
no blood whatsoever. It was raining so hard and using the beans. It was really hard to kind of see exactly where he was standing. I was pretty confident we were going to find that deer the next morning anyway. Yep. But just knowing that, like, if something did go wrong or he did hit it in a different spot than I thought he did, um, being the youth hunt, I wanted to get that dog out there right away just because I'm sure they were busy with other calls and didn't want to risk losing this buck, but it only went about 70 yards. Not even 70. Yeah, like 60, 30, 70 yards. 30. What bullet did you use? So with that one, I've had really good luck, and I know this is kind of a, a hit or miss for a lot of guys, but that ELDX has been a bullet that I've used for a lot of things over the years, and it's not uncommon that you don't get a pass through with that but I've always shot it out of a 300 wind mag or a 300 PRC or a much bigger caliber. So that entrance hole is decent, but the trauma that it causes on the inside, like I've shot that sheep with it, elk, caribou, black bear, mule deer, whitetail, you name it. And I would say 95% of everything that I've ever shot with that has dropped in its tracks. And if it did make it, it went 10 yards kind of thing. Um, so don't you? Not a lot. Huh? Jeremy does. Oh, okay. I don't. Out of the six five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's shot quite a few deer with that oh, yeah. six five in that same bullet. I shot a uh like a really big well a medium sized doe from like four hundred and fifty yards with that six five. Four eighty. Four eighty. Sounds like you're a heck of a shot. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's why I had some confidence with using that bullet because like he's he shoots a lot. Yeah. And really confident we had a good rest had him up on a tripod and stuff so um i, I kind of knew there wasn't gonna be a ton of blood but going forward i'm not sure how much i would use an eldx with a smaller caliber for deer um i guess it did the job just fine but it perfect yeah it's when i've used that with larger calibers it's always a decent entrance hole tons of internal trauma and then usually the hide on the backside is just blood clot because there was just so much trauma that goes in that and you don't have a an exit hole generally but so where um, did your first sh sh first shot connect it was um like my first deer no where where did you hit the buck oh uh the first time the first the first bullet was the only one that connected yeah the first bullet was the only one that hit second bullet i missed and the first bullet i hit Double lungs and heart, I think. You hit the so it was quartering a little bit. Yep. And he hit the um front of the front bottom of one lung, the top ventricle of the heart, and then it destroyed the offside lung. Oh, you yep. hit the off switch on him. That that's what I thought. <laughs> he was uh when he when he was leaving the field, I I thought we were gonna watch him front flip, but he basically left the beans and it's a steep hill down to this little ditch that goes in between the two fields and he was, was dead was right there so yeah. so you let that deer lay overnight we did yeah and it was more because like i could tell that he was hit well but the way that he tore up out of the field like you know when you hit something and it's not snow plowing where like its shoulders are shot but he's really low to the ground and hauling he didn't look like it was a potential gut shot at all like everything about the way it reacts no. didn't say gut shot but just the fact that it was cool that night and the haunting fear of it maybe being one lunged or gut shot, I didn't feel comfortable going in after him on no blood. So I didn't want to push him out of that block because I knew if he was 
one along their gut, he'd stay right in that little kind of ditch row. Like if he, like if I gut shot him, he'd probably just be like laying down right there, still alive, just looking around. Like I just, I just didn't want to. Yeah. We just didn't want to run in there and just spook him out. We would have to like try to kill him again or something. Yeah. A lot but of we Go ahead. We got in there the next morning and um, the road runs right on the backside of that ditch and the dog hops up on the tailgate and stands on his hind legs and starts sniffing the guy that ran the dog. It was a really good dog. He goes, this deer is like here. Yeah. The dog can stand on the hind legs and bark like that if the deer is not like here. Right. So it was stiff as a board, dead. Like we could have hopped out of the blind and went and got it right away, but I just wasn't willing to risk it, especially with that big of a deer and his first big buck, you know? And also, it was like, my dad said it was probably the biggest um, buck of kid, a kid has killed in the UP before. Yeah, and it's probably top top five of biggest bucks we've ever killed there in the 15, 16 years we've been hunting there. I, bear, I actually guarantee <laughs> How is your population there? Really, really good is it really? really really good oh the deer the deer that are there are huge yeah the bodies are massive yeah it's like canadian deer so we're the only part of the up that has like a significant crop um of like farmland so we get a lot of migratory deer that come down like out of the keweenaw and all that stuff too so later in the season you'll see more it's not uncommon for us to like i mean how many deer do you think we see a night at the big hill during gun season chase huh? how many deer do you think we see a night at the big hill oh at night we probably see at least 100 or a fifth 150 deer in one big group like well, it's insane last year during the youth hunt weren't you watching wolves yes no that my, wasn't youth hunt that was opener of bow season oh that was opener of bow season and i shot I property yeah, I shot a doe. He ran into like a little brush area. And then we found him. His like, oh, wow. hide was torn up, but he didn't get to the meat. We dragged him out of there, put him in the field, and then we heard a wolf howling at us. And I was like, okay. So he, he shoots this doe with his crossbow and heart shoots it at like 25 yards. And it runs yeah. across 80 yards of open field just poured blood yep um stops right at the tree line and you kind of see him stumble and then go out of sight so we're like it's dead right there we sat the rest of the night in case i could shoot a deer of course i didn't but um about 20 minutes before dark this big kind of dark gray almost black wolf walks down that edge and then shoots right in on that blood trail and so we're like all right time to get out of the blind and spook this thing off so we walk in there and it's 30 yards on the other side of the deer and we just keep pushing it and pushing it back. And it had zero fear of us whatsoever. Like we drug it back out into the field. It comes back out into the field and it's howling and we have video of it. It's pretty cool. He was mad. But he had the hide all peeled off trying to get at the meat, but didn't chew up any, any of the meat. We didn't lose anything. I'm very glad he didn't like get, like dig into the meat, get all the, get all his guts pulled right. Just, like i'm surprised they didn't tear that thing up yeah i mean that that was what within minutes of you seeing it go in there it was already into it 
Like oh, literally, yeah. like literally, wolves can tear the, that thing up in in seconds. And he yeah. saw like he saw that when we were walking across the field because you could see where the deer died. It was stone dead, and you could see where it was drugged ten yards as he was like trying to pull it, leaving with it, and realized he couldn't drag it away from us fast enough and then just kind of backed off and was smiling and crap at us so so were you concerned about that at all leaving this one overnight this year yeah and the farm that he shot his on um with the bow that uh we did see that wolf on we see him there pretty commonly there's a den on the other side of the lake oh yeah we but see him there a lot the spot that he shot this buck on it's a different farm same like series of farms that we lease up there yeah. But we rarely see them in that block. We hear them once in a while. So I wasn't as concerned about it. The coyotes in there are really bad though. So it was in the back of my mind, but I still, it didn't outweigh the, the fear of losing it, I guess. So. Well, I know you've got coyote gear. What's that? I know you've got coyote gear. Yeah, I know, but we didn't, I didn't take any of that stuff up because my buddy was borrowing it. Um, he went out to Nebraska and was uh, doing that for a little bit. And honestly, like when we're up there deer hunting, we don't bring that stuff up there just because we don't want to be spooking deer at night. Yep. Yep. I'm not suppressed yet. So <laughs> really, really up in the, up in the UP at the cabin, it's not really a great spot to do be coyote hunting because like we could, they could hear like boom, 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 boom. Like mm -hmm. if there's like five raccoons, you could just shoot like boom, 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 and then they're everywhere. Most coyote hunts only shoot once. <laughs> yeah, well, most coyote hunts that we go on with Chase end up being a, a raccoon slaughter too. So. <laughs> well, that works too. A lot of people yeah. down here. Down here, I um, shot my first couple raccoons, and I like, boosh, and that uh, the next one I just kept shooting, and I was like, okay. Just gonna keep shooting at them until they're all dead. Your dad's got you on all kinds of predator control and stuff, huh? Yeah. Well, I've never shot a coyote before, but I'm trying to do that. Oh, you'll get on one. Oh yeah. There's a couple of them around us. You guys don't live too terribly far from us. There's coyotes around. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's quite a few. <laughs> There's quite a few. Well, congratulations on an awesome buck, dude. Yeah, it's um, it was a really big adventure. Good. Uh, Is your dad hunting, getting that one mounted going, for Bear hunting, going two hours down to the cabin, killing a big buck. My friend killing a big, killing a pretty big size buck. That's awesome. Pretty crazy. With that buck being in velvet, what did you have to do to preserve that velvet? So he, when he fell, he kind of split the one side of his G2. Um, and typically what you do is you take like, um, there's a couple of different products that you can use, but just basically rubbing alcohol. If you brush that stuff on there, that buys you a couple of days. If you get them on ice really that first night, um, or get them frozen that first night, it's fine. So his cape and his head are in the freezer right now. Um, my taxidermist just got back from Alaska today. So we'll go bring that probably tomorrow to him. Um, but like formaldehyde, I've heard people using, there's like a couple sprays that are specifically for velvet. Um, that caribou I shot right there was in full velvet and I didn't have anything with me for that. And that was five days before he saw a freezer and it was just fine. So, but 
I think it all, it kind of depends too on the stage of the velvet. So if it's like super early and there's still a lot of blood and veins running through that, it lasts a little bit longer. Don't do that, bud. But um, if they're about to shed it, it's pretty tough anyway. So. Yeah. So I assume that one was hard horned underneath the velvet. Yeah, very. He could have shed it like the two bucks that came out with them. One other one had velvet. The other one was hard horn. Oh, no. It was about 50-50 what we were seeing of velvet and hard horn. Aren't caribou supposed to have velvet? They have, just like deer, they shed velvet too. I've, well, I've seen caribou I've seen in videos and pictures, they have velvet. Because most people hunt in August. Oh, so even if they're like really, 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 really stinking big, they still have velvet, have velvet in August? Most of the time they shed it like end of August kind of thing. Hey, you oh. asking questions, Chase, because I'm learning right here with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that caribou that I shot, his antlers were so pliable yet it was august one that i shot him okay where his tine tips i could squeeze down and actually compress them down and i could take him and make him two foot wider than he actually was like you could move his whole rack in and out like this hmm. wild did it just did it go back to where it was before you would do that or i mean would it like bounce back like a rubber band i could still bend him right now really Good. Yeah, not not quite to that point, but they're they're extremely pliable, and they're the someone told me this is the the strongest, most dense horn or antler, excuse me, on any deer species. So, like you don't see caribou with broken tines very often, like you do on deer and elk, because they're so strong and pliable. Hmm. That's so. crazy. I well, mean, what? go ahead. I mean, like the caribou again fights like deer and elk and all those things with antlers but they their horns are just so stinking strong they just can't fall off really that easily that's awesome i did not know that you're yeah. teaching me all kinds of stuff <laughs> that's good that means you've been taught it your whole life so what <laughs> night did i've you never your deer? i've never even deer? shot a caribou before he's asked a question what was that josh <laughs> he said he's never shot a caribou before neither have i i've never even seen one I've never even been to Alaska. <laughs> well, I think you'll probably get there eventually. Yes, I will. We're gonna change that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what night about... did you shoot your deer? Was that Saturday night? Yep. Yeah, Saturday night. Mm -hmm. So you know what happened on Saturday night too? This guy, Owen, shot his very first deer ever. That's so cool. Owen, how about you tell me about your deer? I want to hear about your deer. But we got. Last year, we got permission at a spot with my father-in-law, my wife's dad, and it's a spot that he's hunted for a long time, and he basically... So was it up north or was it down here? It's down here. It's not too terribly far from where we live, but that's all the details I'm given. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret spot, but um, so... During the summer, I mean, probably a month, month and a half ago, we went out and the landowner had had an old shed that was like falling apart and it was back in the brush. And he said that we could use it for whatever we wanted to. And there just so happens to be some heavy equipment around the area that we can use. So we lifted this shed up out of the brush and we put it up on top of a dirt pile overlooking <laughs> a small field. And then we turned it sideways. I cut a window in it. We put chairs in it and we turned that into our deer blind. Because yeah, he's a, some, huh? people, 
some landowners can be really nice. Some people aren't really that nice. I agree. <laughs> We've someone, dealt with all of them. I promise you that. There's someone up north that is really annoying to us. <laughs> You'll so let's see here. Owen has been hunting for probably four years, I think now. Four? And How he, old is he? Huh? How old is he? Ten. Ten? You just keep on going, Chase. He'll answer you. Have you um, killed any bucks before or just was your first year a doe? It's just a doe. Just a doe? How big? She's probably about 90 pounds gutted out. It's a good doe. It's pretty good. And that was, that was the one that he got Saturday night, the same night you shot your buck. How far was the shot? 90 yards. Nice. <laughs> really? Yep. Why don't you tell us, tell us a story about how it went down? Was it? What happened in the morning, the first thing? Uh, we got there, and we sat probably for maybe two hours. Mm -hmm. And then my mom got up and looked through the window, and then she saw the brush moving, and she thought it was just another bird. But then she saw ears pop up, and then <laughs> she started walking and then she went into berries. She started eating those. All we could see was her butt and her head. That was that morning. We had a doe come right by the blind. And, of course, she stayed on the one side that he couldn't turn the gun to. What did you guys shoot? Oh, the, oh a gun. Yep. He yeah, you, just, you just said my answer. <laughs> no, he was using a 350 weapon <laughs> that Kevin actually put together. That's for. what I have. That's the gun I'm going to be using for my bear next. There you go. Legend. There you go. Gun. The camo 350 legend. Yep. It's very good. Yep. So she, she was at 30 yards and he had some video through the scope of her, but the only thing you could see was her butt and the back of her head. And as soon as she turned broadside, she was in too thick of brush. And like, I don't know what kind of weeds grow these weird berries, but like the purple berries, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know what they're called. Um, but she was in there eating them, and as soon as she turned broadside, you couldn't see anything enough to take a good shot on her. And then she ended up, uh, we had five people in that blind that morning, including three <laughs> children and one little girl who could only sit for about 20 minutes without the <sighs> starting. And uh, in the video, I hear, I don't know what, somebody made a noise and that doe threw her head up and then she kind of just trotted off. So that was, that was in the morning. His opportunity was missed just by a hair. If she would have turned left, he could have killed her. If she turned right, he couldn't have, which way do you think she turned chase? Right. Exactly. Every time they seem to do that, but he had, he had the safety off. He had the scope on her. And I said, dude, you can only get that close so many times before it actually happens yep. like, yeah you don't, you don't often take the safety off and not get to squeeze that trigger because they move just the wrong direction that brush can brush can sometimes be a really annoying thing when you're trying to hunt a deer i know we need to take it all down but it's good bedding cover yeah it's very good bedding color cover um, i said color cover <laughs> so then that uh, night was Man, what was the temperatures up there where you guys were that night? Uh, it was in the 40s and the 50s, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Really? Yeah. yeah. It was cool. like 85 down here that nice. Saturday the 10th. Yeah, we didn't have that. It was uh, it was warm leading up. Like when we were bear hunting, it was pretty warm. Yep. But when we came back down to deer hunt, it went from like, what was it, 87 on our last day of bear hunting? Yeah. Or no, the second day of bear hunting was 87. Then we went <laughs> to like 72. And then the high when we got down to deer camp was like 59. Our last day of bear hunting, we were both shivering because... So our last day of bear hunting. Let him finish the deer story first before you hop all over the place. <laughs> so then we'll go to that night, all right? What happened Saturday night? Uh, we got into the blind. At what, 6.15? Yeah. And it was like a toaster in there. 15. And we sat there, sat there, sat there. A uh, car drove by. And then when it drove by, Dad got up and the deer was there. And then uh, it, when it went all the way past, it walked over to the back edge. She... So so we had a car drive by. Our blind is not too far off of a road that doesn't get much traffic. But the traffic that does come down it is within about 60 yards of the back of the blind. So <laughs> I stood up to look to see or where the vehicle was to make sure they kept going because this spot last year when i hunted it a lot of times people would stop at my truck that was parked down the road and i don't like that so i watched them to see if they were leaving and i turned and looked and there was a doe standing on the side of the hill coming out of the bedding area well our one mistake was that we the window to the blind the main shooting window is faced almost directly west oh no in the evening that sun is coming right in that window. In the morning, it's coming from behind it, so any deer that looks that way can't really see. But in the evening, that sun was blasting us through that window. I mean, we had to hang up a sweater over part of the window just to cover it so he could see at all because oh, it was so bright in there. But that doe, I turned and looked, and that doe's standing on the hill, and she's already just staring right in at us. Because I, I knew she probably saw one of us moving with the sun. But then yeah. what happened? And then she she looked up at us. She stood there for probably two minutes. And then she started walking over to the back edge. And she stopped, put her head down, and then put her head back up, looked back at us, and then I shot her. <laughs> <laughs> doing the, the old pump fake where she pretends like she feeds and then snaps up yeah. and look at it again doing the exact thing she, trick in the book <laughs> yeah he uh <laughs> so she ended up in the video you could hear him say i need to zoom in and when i went to zoom his scope in a little bit because i'm using a digital scope he's got the atnx site uh ltv on there oh, I so didn't, this is all what's that is this all on film then? Yeah, it is. The whole video is on our YouTube channel, the Overdrive Outdoors channel. Um, but I, I went to zoom in, and as soon as I did that, she turned and kind of trotted along the side of the hill going away from us, but she was still... So we got the bedding cover on our property, and the food is one property past us. So they have to come through this property to get up to the crop fields on the private to our would be our south. Well, she was still trying to get there, but yeah, at 90 yards, <laughs> he, he says, is it going to be really loud? 
And I said, dude, you're not even going to hear that gun go off when you pull the trigger on her. And yeah, he, where, what'd you do? You, you centered them crosshairs right behind mm-hmm. that shoulder, like we had talked about, and you squeezed, and what happened? It was not loud at all, and it didn't even hurt my shoulder. <laughs> he didn't feel the recoil, and he didn't hear the noise. <laughs> How was the, were you pretty nervous? Were kind of your nerves shaking and stuff? Kind of. Good. That's the way it should be. This is all, I was like that. When I, yeah. First year I shot, I was like that, but second year I was, I was just like, oosh. <laughs> <laughs> No, so he uh, just like everybody else. Well, I did not show you guys much on the second year. Okay. He uh, he, we had talked a little bit about it because when he was shooting, practicing that gun, he didn't like the recoil, and it's on. I mean, he's he's ten years old. He weighs fifty five pounds. He's a string bean, little guy. Um, he didn't like the recoil and he didn't like the noise. And I said, well, you know, well, you're gonna you can wear hearing protection in the blind too. Um, no problem and it'll be on a tripod and with the adrenaline you are not going to know anything happened besides you pulled the trigger and as soon as he squeezed that trigger that doe jumped and just buckled and I knew instantly that he hit her pretty good because she did that that whole I don't even know that reaction that you know he nailed it a good mule kick and tail tuck not not necessarily a mule kick just straight up but straight up and then kind of barreled into the ground. Yeah. So we walked back to the truck and we actually found out that it was my father-in-law that drove by that I tried to, <laughs> who was, who was there. Um, and I saw a text message from him. We called him. Owen gave him the good news that he had, that he had shot at one and uh, went back to the truck, met up with him. And I remember Owen saying, he asked about, he was worried about his shot, I think, from what I remember, he was, I, I don't know exactly where I pulled the trigger, I hope I hit her good, and I said, Owen, they don't react like that without being hit pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up all walking back out there, what did we find? We found, we found a lot of blood when it was going under trees we only found a little bit of blood in the beginning and we started wa- walking what did you find in that blood uh it was bubbly blood no that's a good sign yeah that's right that's and then we like started... to see. Hmm? i said that's what you like to see when you start a blood trail yeah it means you got some lungs i'm guessing mm-hmm. lungs are hard and then we started walking into a lot of brush and there was blood all over the place. We, there was a big tree leaning down, so we had to crawl under that. And then we, Dad looked ahead, and then there he said, look on that tree. And there was a, a lot of blood on the tree. And then when we went a little bit past the tree, she was laying there dead. That's awesome. That's she went how far? 40 yards? Yep. She only went about 40 yards. So tell me... Where did you hit him? Heart, lungs? I hit her heart, double lung. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, uh, I think it's 180 grain Winchester PowerPoint or soft point something That's out of that 350 good. legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, uh, we had been told, actually, my brother in law uh, has a tracking dog 
And he said that he gets a lot of phone calls from people shooting the 350 legend, not because the deer doesn't die, but because they don't leave any blood trails. I don't know what bullet everybody's using, but we had absolutely no problem finding the blood trail on this deer. Right? The one that they're, they're using, and I experienced this a lot last year, actually two years ago, shooting the 450. Um, it's that Hornady Black. So it just doesn't expand. It holds together really well. Like you'll get an awesome pass through, but if you don't hit that scapula, it just zips through them and you have a 45 caliber hole on one side and 45 on the other. Yes. So we actually switched to out of his 350 shooting the Barnes, which is actually a hollow point. And then um, out of the 450, uh, Bear Creek Precision, I think is the name of the company. They're the out Bear of Creek. Creek. That's a wicked crazy. round. Okay. It's, it's really, really hot. Um, I think like the muzzle velocity is like 2650 or something like that out of a 450. Yeah. Um, and my, I got like a, um, an E3 reticle on that scope. So it's usually like 100, 150, 200, 250. And when I switched to that bullet, my zero was 150 and it gets out to 350 now. Nice. That's 145 grain bullet. So yeah, that's zipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first 200 yards ballistically is actually really close to like a wind mag. So the next gun I'm going to be, be trying to shoot is the 300 um, wind mag and the 300 PRC. Yeah. Those are my next. <laughs> I want to shoot we'll this so bad. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. They, you... they just are so loud and they kick really hard. Oh, yeah. You'll get used to it, though. Mm -hmm. What else did we find on your deer when we got up to her? She had a broken leg that had a little pus sack sticking out of it, and it was completely flat. Her shoulder shoulder was because she probably got hit by a car. It sounds like it. Yeah, she uh, her her right leg was completely shattered. Um, the shoulder blade was sticking almost out of her skin. It was just so thin on that side, and when we lifted her leg, a big nasty clump of yogurt came out of her leg um i don't know when it was i mean it had to have been a little while ago because of the healing process i mean she had a like calcium buildup or whatever the size of a big softball right around that shoulder um so unfortunately we lost that shoulder worth of meat but the rest of everything else was all good but yeah i made a 90 yard shot 40 yard a 40 yard track job and i could not i don't think put his finger on that deer in a better spot to have hit her oh good job dude. She, did she when she was coming in was she like limping or something yeah kind of like was she like yeah, yeah. her leg yeah. wouldn't even her leg wouldn't even go down anymore she had to hold it up the whole time like was i her, couldn't was even this, physically this was her foot like it was straight back, almost right alongside of her belly. She was just walking three legs? Yep. I couldn't even put her yep. leg straight. I couldn't make her leg go straight at all. Really? Yeah, it was bad. It was crazy bad. how tough those animals are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. but, and that that was what uh, Owen had said, too. He said that when he was asking about how he, you know, how his shot was, and I said, dude, she's been suffering on that busted leg way longer than she did after you pulled that trigger like yeah if you didn't have shot that one, no one, if you wouldn't have shot that one no one 
once the the food gets a little scarce for coyotes they're going to probably tear her down pretty fast too. Oh, yeah. easy to catch them but how yeah. did that make you feel getting your first one finally after all this very happy how long have you been trying four years awesome that's pretty cool have you have you eaten any back straps or anything yet uh just had some tonight how was it good what did you want out of your deer though you you picked what we made out of it. Jerky. <laughs> we probably got close to 25 pounds of jerky that we made off of that deer, but that's what oh, he wow. did. But then uh, it was funny because this past weekend was the early doe hunt, the early antlerless season. And I said, oh, and if you want to go, I can take you out again. And he said, well, I've only got one more buck tag. They can fill that with a gun on a doe this year just like they could last year i said well you can go out and shoot another doe with the gun and be done for the year and he said well then i won't be able to shoot a buck so i ended up going and buying him a doe tag but that showed me that he was automatically thinking about the future and that he's still wanting to go out and find a buck so you're gonna shoot a buck this year you think hopefully tell, right. tell me owen have do you have a oh, what's it called Fall, fall turkey. Do you have a fall turkey tag? No. I I have one right now, and I'm try, we're gonna. Me and my dad are probably gonna try to kill one soon. You know who yep. hates turkeys? Do you have a Josh, Josh has had bad experience with turkeys, so we. Gotta... <laughs> I've just never been able to bring one in. This guy will call one in for you. Oh yeah, he, I'm really good. He at called calling. in my turkey this year. How about you call one in for Owen? Okay. Deal. Oh, that works. We know just the spot. There's a little box call around here. I'll show you, but I, <laughs> right now. we do not have box calls right now. You're having too much fun right now, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to I want to get into a little bit about Joe's doll sheep hunt because that, to me and Kevin, is kind of fascinating. It was awesome. The Alaska wilderness. My dad. So, we saw a video of it today and it was awesome. Did you? Yeah. yeah. We actually just went to hunt. We just got back from Hunt Wise. Um, they got the video all wrapped up and it turned out really cool. So. Good. Thank you all so much for listening this week. We did decide to break this into two different episodes. So please tune in next week to hear all about Joe's doll sheep hunt. And if you'd like to see the video on that hunt, check out the HuntWise YouTube channel and search for The Peak.